Hello folks, it's Priyanka here to give you a little intro to, wow, the first official rewrite episode. I, I have no idea why you would be listening to us, but uh, maybe you think we're funny, so this will be pretty funny, I think. The only problem is, past Priyanka, past Aaron, past Adriana, and past Sky did a really, really really bad job of explaining what's going on. So um, basically, what you'll be hearing is first you'll hear, oh my gosh, if you hear my dog in the background, I'm so sorry. First, you'll be able to hear the original text. So the text by John Green, and then you'll hear like the content, the rewrite uh, because for this particular episode, I've taken text directly from the book and I rewrote it to be, well, um, better. You know, much better. <laughs> so uh, without further ado, why don't we, I don't know, listen to the rewrite or something. Have fun, babies. Have fun. Bye. <laughs> oh. That's a lot of time. My name is Kim Kardashian. I can afford to say So this is the new book, You Aren't Charismatic, You're Mostly Just Hot, cover art by my boyfriend, starring Not Not Ballerina and Gus Gus Rivers. So I, I have chunks of the book, and then I rewrote them, by the way. Hi, my name is Samantha, and I'm here to say that Priyanka cannot explain anything. She forgot to mention that rewrite and fanfics are used interchangeably around here, but the official name is fanfics. Do not trust Priyanka. She's really sus. I like toast. So the original passage in this book, this is when Augustus Waters and Hazel Grace first meet. <clears throat> I looked over at Augustus Waters, who looked back at me. You could almost see through his eyes they were so blue. There will come a time, I said, when all of us are dead. All of us. There will come a time where there are no human beings remaining to remember that anyone ever existed or that our species ever did anything. There will be no one left to remember Aristotle or Cleopatra, let alone you. Everything that we did and built and wrote and thought and discovered will be forgotten and all of this, I gestured encompassingly, will have been for naught. Maybe that time is coming soon, and maybe it is a millions of years away, but even if we survive the collapse of our sun, we will not survive forever. There was a time before organisms experienced consciousness, and there was a time after. And if the inevitability... The inevitability of human oblivion worries you, I, rec I encourage you to ignore it. God knows that's what everyone else does. Please, you dumb girl, I can't believe you didn't introduce the fanfics. I guess I will do it for you. This is the fanfics for that paragraph you just heard. I looked over at Gus Gus Rivers, who looked back at me. His eyes were so blue, they were transparent. Like, legit, you could see his brain, which may freak some people out, but I thought it was sexy. As I was reasonably encouraged by the fact that I could see his brain and it was indeed pink and not gray, I started to talk. 
People are going to die. It's a fact of life. Extinction is a real thing. Your fears are invalid. You are invalid. <laughs> My name is Nut Nut, and that's it for night. Uh, so here's the original passage as per Mr. Green and his witty uh, banter. This is where, this little, this little bit is where um, he's telling Hazel that, it's, that he's going to take her to... Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Spit it out, Priyanka, I swear to God. Hazel Grace, like so many children before you, and I say this with great affection, you spent your wish hastily, with little care for consequences. The Grim Reaper was staring at you in the face and the, your, and the fear of dying with your wish still in your proverbial pocket, ungranted, led you to rush towards the first wish you could think of. And you, like so many others, chose the cold and artificial pleasures of the theme park. I actually had a great time on that trip. I met Goofy and Mint. I am in the midst of a soliloquy. I wrote this out and memorized this, and if you interrupt me, I will completely screw it up. Augustus interrupted. Please be eating your sandwich and listening. The sandwich was inedible, but I took a bite and s smiled anyway. Okay, where was I? Artificial pleasures. He returned the cigarette to its pack. Right. The cold and artificial pleasures of the theme park. But let me submit that the real heroes of the Wish Factory are the good young men and women who wait like Vladimir and Estragon wait for Godot and good Christian girls wait for marriage. These young heroes wait stoically and without complaint for their one true wish to come along. Sure, it may never come along, but at least they can rest easily in the grave, knowing that they've done their little part to preserve the integrity of wish as an idea. But then again, maybe it will come along. Maybe you'll realize that your one true wish is to visit the brilliant Peter Van Houten in his Amsterdamian exile, and you will be glad indeed that you have saved your wish. Augustus stopped long enough that I figured the soliloquy was over. But I didn't save my wish, I said. Ah, he said, and then, after what felt like a practiced pause, he added, But I saved mine. Please, you idiot, it is Gardo, not Gardot. Oh, yeah, so here's uh -oh. my rewrite, um, which is clearly better. Nut nut, ballerina, you inevitably made the idiotic but relatively reasonable decision to spend your wish waiting in line for 90% of a trip to a slightly aesthetic amusement park. You were literally going to die, and you were like, yes, I would like to spend three hours in line for a subpar roller coaster. I actually had a lot of fun on that trip. <laughs> we had fast passes and Shut so... up and eat the sandwich, please. I spent Disney World roller coaster line time last night memorizing the speech, and you're screwing it up. Anyway, only the real ones wait for a worthwhile free trip. Now, if it never comes along, I guess the point is moot. However, I believe it always does, and then you will be glad you pulled an Aristotle and won the race. Gus Gus Rivers, I unfortunately did spend the wish. Ah. He said in a pregnant pause, <laughs> but I'd rather not die a virgin, so I'll gladly give you mine. I thought that was a pregnant pause for a second. I was like, Adriana, you, you don't have to do that. You don't have to be like 12 months pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> a whole three years pregnant. <laughs> I was waiting for you to go in. Sorry. No, I was like, 
I, I was dying because of the way she said Gus Gus Rivers. I unfortunately did spend the <laughs> I know, Erin, you killed it. <laughs> okay, so the next bit is when she finds out that uh, Gus, or she thinks that Gus smokes. And so here is, and she calls it a, a fatal flaw of his. The whole thing where a boy is not unattractive or unintelligent or seemingly in any way unacceptable stares at me and points out incorrect uses of literality and compares me to actresses and asks me to watch a movie? But of course, there's always a Hamarsha. And yours is that? Oh my god, even though you had freaking cancer, you give money to a company in exchange for the chance to acquire, uh, I don't know, yet more cancer? Oh my god, let me assure you that not being able to breathe sucks. Totally disappointing. Totally. A Hamarsha, he asked. The cigarette still in his mouth. It tightened his jaw. He had a hell of a jawline, unfortunately. A fatal flaw, I explained, turning away from him. I stepped down towards the curb, leaving Augustus Waters behind me, and I heard a car start down the street. It was Mom. She'd been waiting for me to, like, make friends or whatever. I felt this weird mix of disappointment and anger welling up inside me, and I don't know what the feeling was, really, just that there was a lot of it, and I wanted to smack Augustus Waters and also replace my lungs with lungs that didn't suck at being lungs. I was standing with my Chuck Taylors on the very edge of the curb and the oxygen tank and ball chain in the cart by my side, and right as my mom pulled up, I felt a hand grab mine. I yanked my hand free but turned back to him. <clears throat> they don't kill you unless you light one, he said as mom arrived at the curb, and I've never lit one. It's a metaphor, see? You put the killing thing right between your teeth, but you don't give it the power to do its killing. It's a metaphor, I said dubiously. It's a metaphor, obviously, he said. You choose your behaviors based on their metaphorical resonances, I said. Oh, yes, he smiled. The big, goofy, real smile. I'm a big believer in metaphor, Hazel Grace. I turned to the car, tapped on the window. It rolled down. I'm going to see a movie with Augustus Waters, I said. Please record the next several episodes of America's Next Top Mo Model Marathon for me. So my version <clears throat> is starting now. Has it not occurred to you that it might be rude to smoke a cigarette in front of the girl who has, I don't know, lung oh, cancer? Shoot. <laughs> Gus Gus, his eyes opened so wide I could see all the little grooves inside his brain. It was such a beautiful sight, I almost forgot I was mad. I'm sorry. He put the cigarette package away as my mother rolled up. I was so glad that it wasn't some kind of stupid metaphor about how he could hold death between his teeth. I was so preoccupied with the thought that he could have been one of those pretentiously poetic metaphor hippie kinds of guys that my when my mother yelled, Net-net ballerina, are you coming? I nearly knocked over my oxygen tank in fright. Sorry, mother, I, I yelled. I'm going to watch a Kiera Knightley movie called Love Actually and not a Natalie Porton movie called Vapor Vendetta with a stranger <laughs> called Gus Gus Rivers. Okay, sweetie, have fun. Oh, don't forget to record Real Housewives of Orange County. <laughs> My mother beamed so wide I could see it from many feet away. 
How can I forget, as it is the Superior Housewife series and potentially the best reality show ever, way better than ANTM. Gus Gus widened his eyes again. It was clearly his way of showing happiness. But I wasn't complaining, for right there in broad daylight was that sexy, sexy pink brain of his again. Chef's kiss. <laughs> when the mother pulled up, I was like, oh yeah, I'm invested. <laughs> Please, Priyanka, you are so gross and unfunny. This is very unsexy of you. I wish I had a piece of toast to get me through this. Okay. Augustus... Oh, this is when they make out in the Anne Frank Museum, by the way. Augustus Waters, I said, looking up at him, thinking that you cannot kiss anyone in the Anne Frank house, and thinking that Anne Frank, after all, kissed someone in the Anne Frank house, and that she would probably like nothing more than for her home to have become a place where the young and irreparably broken sink into love. I must say, Otto Frank said in the video in his accented English, I was very much surprised by the deep thoughts Anne had. And then we were kissing. My hand let go of the oxygen cart and I reached up for his neck, and he pulled me up by my waist onto my tiptoes. As his parted lips met mine, I started to feel breathless in a new and fascinating way. The space around us evaporated, and for a weird moment, I really liked my body. This cancer-ruined thing I'd been spending years dragging around suddenly seemed worth the struggle, worth the chest tubes and the PICC lens and the ceaseless body betrayal of the tumors. It was quite different. It was quite a different Anne than I had known as my daughter. She never really showed this kind of inner feeling. Otto Frank continued. The kiss lasted forever as Otto Frank kept talking from behind me. And my conclusion is, he said, since I'd been in very good terms with Anne, that most people don't really know their children. I realized that my eyes were closed and opened them. Augustus was staring at me, his blue eyes closer to me than they had ever been. And behind him, a crowd of people, three deep, had sort of circled around us. They were angry, I thought. Horrified, these teenagers with their hormones making out beneath the video broadcasting the shattered voice of a former father. I pulled away from Augustus, and he stuck a peck on my forehead as I snared down at my Chuck Taylors. And then they started clapping. All these people, all these adults, just started clapping, and one shouted bravo in a European accent. By the way, it is time for the rewrite. Mmm, Gus Gus Rivers. <laughs> I said... Knowing full this. well that it is extremely disrespectful to kiss someone in the Anne Frank house, even if she herself has kissed someone in said location, you shouldn't soil her memory, but my hormones were too active for me to fully care. Otto Frank was talking in the background as we kissed, and for once I forgot about the cancer, about the chest tubes and the PICC lines, and the ceaseless body betrayal of the tumors. Otto Frank was still talking in the background, but I didn't care as I fervently deepened the kiss. It went on and on until Otto finally set said. And my conclusion is, since I have been on very good terms with Anne, that most people don't really know their children. We pulled away, and it took me a minute before I realized my eyes were closed and opened them. Gus Gus was staring at me, or maybe at something else. I couldn't tell because his eyes are transparent. But I didn't really care, because at this angle, I could fully see every plushy, pink, juicy, veiny nook and cranny of his brain. Of his wonderful, wonderful brain. I wanted to touch it so bad. Entranced, I slowly started to put a finger towards his transparent eyes until Gus Gus whispered, Not, not, turn around. My fantasy was quickly shattered. Turns out, 
that Gus Gus's transparent eyes weren't looking at me. They were looking at the vast crowd of adults, some with children in the crowds who were staring at us, disgusted at this public display of affection. Among these adults were security guards, and this is how Gus Gus Rivers and I got forcibly and physically thrown, as well as permanently banned from going under 30 me meters near the Anne Frank House in the Netherlands. The end. Okay, so those are my only rewrites, but like we said, John Green, really good author. You can tell that his the way his writing, it just flows, it's really engaging and stuff. So I thought I would do him the pleasure of writing a eulogy for Hazel, because Augustus never got to. So here is the last entry in my series of entries. It's a little different than last form. I write the eulogy that Gus never got to write Hazel. Hazel Grace is where the wake meets the sand and the light where the sun disappears between the mountaintops. Hazel made you wish you could grab her and cup her in your palm, hoping you could keep her from slipping through your fingers. Once upon a time, she confided in me, saying she worried she was a bomb and when she exploded she would take people with her. But in reality, she's a butterfly's kiss, the feather of a bird, a little blue ribbon. Hazel was a moment, and probably the most important moment of our lives. She was gone before she was here, existing like the kiss of a memory. In my few years of life, she has given me the pleasure of saying that I love deeper and more thoroughly than mo most people will. But to say I have loved her is inaccurate, and frankly an insult to Hazel's memory. I love her still, for in the moment that is her is thirty moments, and a hundred moments, and a thousand moments, and infinity moments. And we are still there, and we still exist there. So I cannot say that I loved her, because in that moment that is her, I still love her, and I will love her there forever. So I'm lucky to say that I have, will, and do love her. So everyone in attendance at this funeral, continue to cherish her memory. And so will I, and in this moment, right here, right now, I am so grateful for her and the gift of love that she has given me. I love you, Hazel Grace. That's so good. Finally, this episode is over, thank God. Maybe one day Priyanka will learn to introduce things and I can retire and eat my toast in peace. So see you next week or maybe not ha 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 ha. Okay Samantha out. That was sad. That's so sweet. 10 out of 10.